1: Welcome to profoundly pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, cocktails and water activities.
0: I got into bartending uh, to help pay for university. So when I found the world of like craft cocktail making, I was like, "Oh, okay, this is like an art form. This is like a chef working in a high-end restaurant." I won the title of the world's best bartender, and it's one of those things that. It was really, really, really hard to get there. I'm into people knowing what they want. That's why like, I find it so fascinating when somebody's like, okay, I need a gin martini uh, with just like a whisper of vermouth. I want three olives and a twist. Anything that involves fire, I am down for the cause.
1: <laughs> I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe. Leave us a rating or a review. If you weren't with us last week, right now we're in the process of trying to make the show a lot more interactive. So if there's something that you like about the show or don't like about the show, guests that you want to hear from, top fives, whatever, we really do want to hear from you. And we really appreciate everybody who took time out of their day to send us a message. It's awesome to hear from people. It really is. So our first guest has been named the best bartender in the world. And not only does she have some great tips and drink recipes and some really funny and interesting bar stories, but she also has this fascinating perspective on what makes a good bar, a good bartender, and where the future of the industry is going. This is global bartending champion, Caitlin Stewart. Did you always want to be a bartender or did you... Did you just kind of like naturally fall into this?
0: You know, I grew up in a family full of hospitality people. So like my parents worked and owned and ran restaurants for pretty much my entire life. So when I got into the business, um, my parents never pressured me to like move on and be like, now do what you went to school for. Or, you know, you know, all those conversations where people like, now what's your real job? Um, so I was very lucky to be super supported and I was, I got into bartending, uh, to help pay for university as most people do. And I found that there was this way to actually create a massive kind of career and network. And it was more than just liquid in the glass at that point. Cause there's many different styles of bartending, right? You've got like your, uh, say run of the mill uh, chain restaurant. You've got your nightclub, you've got your craft cocktail bar, you've got, I don't like hotel, like there's many different levels to it. So when I found the world of like craft cocktail making, I was like, Oh, okay, this is like an art form. This is like a chef working in a high end restaurant um, to draw a comparison. So I kind of fell in love with playing around with flavors and just like the whole experience. And then
1: so when I was growing up, Like bartending was something like, all right, you phase out of that 25 if maybe you got to keep that job till like 30. Has it always been a professional kind of career or is this a transition that was really made in the last couple of whatever years?
0: No, I mean, I think this was, it's truly a career and it has been for a lot of people for a long time. You go back to like the Savoy cocktail book, uh, which, you know, was produced in like the late 1800s, early 1900s. And there's bartenders that, you know, have cocktails in that, um, that are well known. And they were like in their fifties. Um, so clearly it was a profession that, you know, people kind of stuck in. But even now, like some of the people that I look up to that I consider mentors and I got lucky enough to then consider them friends and uh, be almost like not, I would say on an equal, but in the same kind of group as them. And I saw what they could do and what they were doing with their life. And I was like, damn, I want to get to that level so I can also do that. The people like Dale DeGroff, who famously ran the Rainbow Room in New York City and like basically brought the Cosmo to life and to popularity. Um, and he you know, writes cocktail books. He does seminars all over the world. And he's just so well known as like King Cocktail. Um, same with somebody like Julie Reiner, who owns a couple of different bars in Brooklyn, like the Clover Club and Leyenda. So when I saw people like that, I was like, ah, oh, damn, OK, that's what I want to aspire to do and to be. Uh, not just not that there's anything wrong with just being a bartender, but going beyond, like you said, that like liquid in the glass and um, being like a mentor for the next generation of people that come into it. So there's always something to look forward to. And it's always changing. So no one day is ever the same. And I think now, especially with social media and the rise of like, you know, kind of stepping into somebody else's world as an outside uh, um, like spectator, uh, I think it looking at the world, especially of like craft cocktail bartending, people can kind of like immerse themselves and like I said, kind of watch somebody's social media and be like, oh, holy shit. Okay. Like there's some really cool things going on. Like I... Just got back two days ago from Scotland, and I was doing an immersive trip in Edinburgh to, you know, go to a bunch of whiskey distilleries and, uh, you know, get myself better acquainted with the process of certain whiskeys and how they're made and whatnot. But like, I, that's part of my job. That was a that was a trip that was considered work.
1: <laughs> so what makes you good at it? Right? Are you? Do you have a fantastic sense of smell that can detect the smallest of changes? Are you? the most precise pour of liquid? Like, why are you essentially good at it?
0: Oh, there are many different types of bartenders. There's like the showman. um, You know, there's the, uh, the, somebody who has like the best style of hospitality. Um, But I just break it down to like what the word actually is like bartending, you know, you're tending to the bar and that's encompasses so many different things. So I think, to become a good part- bartender, or at least to be somebody who's recognized as a good bartender, um, you need to, of course, make balanced, delicious cocktails, interesting cocktails. Keep up with the trends somewhat, um, but also continue to educate yourself. Uh, keep yourself out there, like in the public eye. Whether that's again doing tastings, you know, uh, teaching classes. Going to seminars, all those kind of fun things. But then at the same time, like you have to be likable. You have to be somebody who is known for their hospitality. You want to be able to, you know, look at somebody and be like, yeah, I want to go back to their bar and sit down and have a conversation with them. And I don't care what they serve me, I just want to hang out with them and be in their presence because they seem like a really cool person and they know what they're talking about. I mean, for myself, like I won the title of the world's best bartender in 2017. And it's one of those things that, it was really, really, really hard to get there, but it gave me that like notoriety within my my like small niche circle of this craft cocktail world. That yeah, I can like walk into a bar and be like, somebody be like, hey, I know you, I have respect for you, and especially as a woman in this in- industry, it doesn't always happen. So having that little push um, definitely helps with that, with like you know staying in this business and getting opportunities.
1: So how did you win the? the award? Did you get submitted or was there like a competition or what happens?
0: There's a, there's a really prestigious competition in the craft cocktail world called world-class. Um, and it's put on by Diageo Spirits and, it's held every year, um, and first you have to win your country. So I competed, and I won uh, for Canada, and then you go and compete in the global finals, and there's about 60 countries, so everybody's best winner from 60 countries comes together. Uh, in 2017, when I did it, it was hosted in Mexico City, so we all came together in Mexico City, and it was like a week-long competition of many different uh, challenges. So there was like tasting challenges where we, you, know, you had to like nose and taste whiskeys, and be able to explain if it's from Highlands, Lowlands, Spayside, Isla, um, or a blend of whiskey and kind of like pick out different uh, notes and characteristics. Uh, you know, black box competitions where you're just given like a basket and you're like, okay, make a cocktail out of this. You have 20 minutes, um, different ones you could prepare for, speed challenges, all that kind of stuff. So you're competing against the top bartender from 60 other countries and you go seven rounds basically. And uh, there's, uh, like you said, a, a bunch of judges there. Um, keeping score of all the challenges. And the judges are, you know, in my world, like industry heavyweights that I look up to. And, um, and yeah, so I ended up winning in, in, in Mexico City. So that year I was named the world's best bartender. So it's, it's one of the most prestigious competitions in like, in the, in, in the industry. So it's definitely pushed me and uh, basically put, put my career on a trajectory, like voom, like that. Um, and I got to travel. So the last like five years I've not so much in COVID, but traveled around the world and from Thailand to Taiwan, to Brazil, to Ireland, everywhere in between, and uh, get to judge cocktail competitions, uh, put on seminars, do guest shifts behind some uh, really awesome bars and yeah, meet other bartenders from around the world. When you like,
1: as the, as, as the champ, right? Yeah. You got the belt, yeah. so to speak. Yep. Mm-hmm. But like if somebody went in and like, all right, this is the champs and this is somebody who's pretty good. Am I going to be like, whoa,
0: it's, it depends on the style of cocktail, uh, different techniques used, but like ultimately too, like, uh, taste is such a spectrum. Everybody, you know, likes what they like and doesn't like what they don't like. So, you know, if I'm serving you something that's like, you know, heavily peated and really smoky to you, you may be like, hell yeah, I love this flavor profile. But the person next to you could be like, oh, this this is awful. I can't drink this. I want like a strawberry daiquiri, which are two completely different cocktails, right? So again, it's it's not so much just about the liquid in the glass, but it's about the whole experience around it. Um, you know, whether that's the hospitality and how you actually serve that cocktail.
1: We don't usually do this necessarily this early, but a lot of our listener submitted questions kind of fit around things I think we would naturally talk about. So, Ooh. are you ready for some listener submitted questions?
0: Fire away! Fire them at me, please.
1: I'll I'll start off with the starting off with some of the easier ones. <laughs> What do you feel like is overall the best mixed drink? Not just in taste, but like overall, the taste, the history, the whatever.
0: It's so hard to say because so many cocktails are steeped in so much tradition um, that like every cocktail has a story, especially going back to like the classics. Um, So if you think about something like the Sazerac or – like the Ramos Gin Fizz, which are like steeped in like tradition from New Orleans. And they've just got these really, they still make these authentic cocktails in New Orleans. This like from the 1870, whatever way. But I would say one of my favorites is probably, ooh. um, I mean, I really love the simplicity of like a sidecar. Um, you've got brandy, you've got orange liqueur and you have lemon juice, three basic ingredients. It's your basic sour style cocktail. Um, and you can do a little sugared rim on the outside of it if you need a little extra sweetness, but it's cool because it kind of brings that tradition, tradition in of using brandy as the base and just bringing in one small modifier, um, from the orange liqueur and another small modifier from the lemon juice. And it's really balanced. It's nice and dry on your palate. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just a great classic cocktail that is so simple. It's only three ingredients, but with the right balance, it just works.
1: Is there a certain point like where you say like, all right, these ingredients are great. Like what number of ingredients would you say? Like, all right, people, we're getting right. Like we need the sweat from a Brazilian ant and put that <laughs> in the drink and mix it with tears from a duck. Right. Right
0: listen, hey, stranger things. But I mean, if you think, and you you think about like most tiki cocktails, right? Tiki cocktails, like the zombie or the Singapore sling, you've got like five, seven, eight ingredients in there and you're like, all right. <laughs> like, But traditionally those were made back in the day when like the quality of rum that they were using was pretty crap. So they had to kind of mask it with a bunch of other things. So it was like, oh, we'll just throw in some of this and throw in some of that. And you know, now we've got this cocktail, which you could probably make it a, a, in a lot easier way now. But that's part of the fun of it. It's part of like the history of like, all right, let's let's mess with the bartender and order a zombie when they're busy as all hell behind a bar and <laughs> see how long it takes them. Or the dreaded like Ramos Gin Fizz, because technically it should take 12 minutes to shake. Um, yes. Yeah, it's it's a long one. There's there's ways to go about it now with modern techniques uh, that you could make it in two minutes, but traditionally, you put ice in it and you're supposed to shake it until the ice completely dissolves, which oh, takes about that twelve makes minutes. Sense. I
1: was like, why would you? Yeah, it has to be twelve <laughs> minutes. That okay? Yeah. That, that's, that that makes that's, sense why it would take that long.
0: Yeah, that, that's the way they still do it in New Orleans. So they stick with they stick with uh, tradition.
1: God, do that the, would be the twelve minute
0: round, as you get have like seven or eight bartenders and you pass it off. Between all of you, when you're shaking it, <laughs>
1: I was gonna say, like, what do the arms of that person look like? Ooh,
0: it's not fun. I've I've done. I mean, I like. I've got my own techniques to make it nice and quick. But if you're doing it the traditional way, it's it, it can be a bit of a definitely a shoulder workout. That's for sure. <laughs> like Jello,
1: drink you like, but always forget how to make.
0: Hmm. So many, to be honest. Sheesh. There's so many cocktails out there that like. I, I always have to like check back on my notes and be like, all right, was it a half an ounce or three quarters of an ounce or what? Um, I really enjoy a cocktail called The Journalist, which again is like a really old kind of early 1900s uh, drink. Um, it's gin based. It's got sweet and dry vermouth in it. And I believe some lemon juice and chartreuse, but I always forget the, the levels, what the measurements is. Oh, how are. it goes in. How, much yeah. like, how-
1: how precise on that stuff do you have to be, right? Like, if it calls out, it's it's an ounce. You put one point one ounces in, the drink <laughs> is screwed, right? Like that's okay. Is it usually one point one ounces okay? Are you, you like how much wiggle room do you generally have before like oh you screwed this up?
0: It depends on the spirit. So like, vodka is very very different to something like a green chartreuse uh, or like a maraschino liqueur. Green chartreuse is super herbal, and you know it's you only have to use it in very small doses or it's going to completely overpower the drink and it's not going to taste very good. Same with maraschino liqueur. It's like a, you know, a, a cherry liqueur that tastes like perfume, your Nana's perfume. And if you had it in mass amounts, it's not so good, but in small amounts, it's really nice. Um, but I'm a firm believer in measuring all of my cocktails because of, mostly because of consistency. So if you come in one day and you come in the next day or the next week and you order the same drink, I want it to taste the same every single time.
1: Most overrated. We're like, oh.
0: Ooh, honestly,
1: not that it's not not that it's not good. it's just not what people really th- like it's okay,
0: yeah, I mean, I'll probably get a lot of flack for this, but I'm not a coffee drinker, so for me, the espresso martini is overrated, <laughs> but I just don't drink coffee, so I don't know, maybe like a bee's knees, I might get a hate for that one too. It's like gin honey and and uh, lemon juice. Again, I'm not a huge fan of like of a strong honey flavor. So
1: drink, you are sick of making
0: drink. I'm sick of making is probably, ah, I, everything goes through phases, you know, like, like the Negroni made a really big, like resurgence. And then it was like, Aperol spritz was like, everybody was drinking spritzes. Um, So I don't think there's one drink in particular But I think it's like just like the trends and fads that kind of like come and go where you're like, you get to the end of one. You're like, okay, when is everybody going to stop, you know, wanting to make and drink milk punches because it takes two days to like prepare and you're like, all right, got to go through that process. But uh, yeah, I mean, I like them all. They're kind of fun. They're fun for me. (laughs) Vodka soda. I hate making vodka sodas. There you go. (laughs)
1: Are you disappointed if somebody's just like whiskey neat?
0: No, like, not at all.
1: I was gonna make something.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, listen. I I'm I'm a big proprietor in drink what you like and don't let anybody you know tell you otherwise. Um, I I used to get people that would come and sit at my bar and be like, I'm so so sorry, but can I just have a beer? And I was like, it's not just a beer. Like, yeah, of course you can. Like, don't apologize to me. They're like, oh, I know that you you're known for your cocktails and you make really great drinks, but like, I just want a Pinot Gris. and I'm like. Great, perfect. Because that's going to take me three seconds. I'm going to serve it to you, and no sweat off my back, right? So I don't, I don't mind it at all if somebody, you know, has a, a preference. I like it when I can start to gain trust from somebody who's maybe very narrow minded and it's like, I only drink old fashioned. It's the only drink that's my drink of choice. And then once you kind of get to know them and break them down a bit, you're like, Listen, if you like an old fashioned, and you're at all curious, like, let me, let me make this for you. And, you know, and if you don't like it, don't have to drink it, but I just, you know, I just want to show you what else, what else kind of is out there. And, you know, somebody be like, oh, cool. I would have never thought to order this or now it's my new favorite drink. So it's always about building that trust.
1: That is true. Right. Like I just, I think people are always willing to try something. They just don't know what to do.
0: It's a big, it's a big world, right? It's a, it's a, like the, the um, spirits category is massive and the drinks category is massive. So again, I think people go to like their you know, their trustees and they're like, gin and tonic. that's all I'm drinking. I don't want to read the menu. I don't understand what half of these words are. but I think with um, now more and more people kind of talking about it again, like on social media, through podcasts um, and different articles, uh, it's cool because people are really starting to pick up much as they would in like the food world. They're like, ah, I don't know what goju jang is like, oh, cool. Like now I know what this like delicious fermented chili paste is and I want to eat it. So the same in the cocktail world. It's like, oh, I never knew what Angostura bitters were. I didn't know you could drink them in a cocktail, but also just drink them in soda water to help with a stomach ache. It's like, oh, cool. I learned something new. So, you know, it's again, it's always opening up people's minds to like new things is always really fun for me.
1: What is the difference between shaken and stirred?
0: Wow, I mean, they're both different techniques. So when you when you shake a cocktail, you're kind of bruising the spirit and everything that's inside the shaker tin. You're bringing an instant chill, and you're getting your dilution. Um, and also, it's just marrying everything together. When you're stirring a cocktail, you have way more control over the dilution. So bringing introducing water into the cocktail, but also you're not bruising the spirit. So you're really just opening up all of the aromatics in the spirit. Now, normally, you would only stir. Well, normally you would stir cocktails that are only spirit. So like a martini, uh, um, a Negroni, a Manhattan, an old fashioned, because they don't have any juices or purees added into them. Whereas you would shake anything that has like a juice, a puree, maybe like uh, muddled fruit or uh, mint or basil or something like that, because you want to extract all those flavors and really bring them to life. So shaking is for that more delicate, balanced, kind of uh, rounded feel and taste. Whereas shaken, you're getting that really bright, refreshing, um, super cold uh, cocktail.
1: Okay. This is where my personal bias will come in. And I've mentioned this before on this podcast that I don't have a sense of smell. And so Mm -hmm. to me, the idea that somebody, because my sense of taste is like way, way reduced.
0: Like can somebody
1: really tell the difference? Like, could you like take a sip of one and say that's shaken, that's stirred? Could you, can you tell?
0: Yes. Yes, but I've been doing it for so long. So, um, but also too, it, it changes, it changes the way it feels on your palate. I, (laughs) I hate using the word mouthfeel, but, uh, it has a big, it has a, um, it's a big part of it. It's a big component of, of a cocktail is the way that how it, how it feels on your palate. Um, so yeah, if you shake something, again, you're kind of, you're shocking the ingredients. So you're not getting those like lovely, flavors. Say if you're having like a gin martini, all of those flavors in the vermouth and the botanicals in your gin are seized up because they've just been shocked with a bunch of ice. So you're not going to get that same beautiful aromatic finish as if it was stirred. Now, some people prefer, you know, I mean, I think uh, Ian Fleming kind of screwed us all when he wrote in his James Bond books, like shaken, not stirred, because everybody thinks the Vesper martini is meant to be shaken, but it's, ultimately meant to be stirred but uh thanks to james bond you know everybody wants to order it shaken not stirred
1: wine in a box or wine cooler
0: oh i can't remember the last time i had either or but i mean wine in a box is quite convenient it does last a lot longer i will say that <laughs> why not wine not there you go there's a there you
1: word. go <laughs> no wonder you're the champ hey. <laughs> that's what sealed it
0: <laughs> sealed right there
1: how good are you at spotting a fake id
0: Ooh, there's a lot of really good, good ones out there. there these days man i get being in canada the legal drinking age is obviously younger than in the states so i would get a ton of people that would come up from seattle because they had just turned 19 and you know i'd get their like washington license and i'm like i need to like go and check like google to see exactly what this what a washington license is supposed to look like right. because like you know people come from all over the place vancouver is a pretty like international hub but, um, but ugh, there's some good ones out there these days that are dangerous but a lot of places if you're going to like a nightclub or whatnot they they'll swipe them or scan them oh, or these right. little black light on them so
1: drink that says the most about somebody
0: Ooh, I think it's a personal preference. So I love it when somebody orders a martini and they're very, very specific in how they order it. Like it's, I think it's the most personal drink and it's probably the drink that gets sent back the most because people are like, no, that wasn't dirty enough or that wasn't like, that's way too much vermouth. So I like it when somebody um, orders like a, a, like a, like like a martini, like very specific, but then at the same time too, you're like, oh yeah, you're, you're this particular with your martini. I wonder what else you're very particular about. But uh,
1: <laughs> I can imagine somebody who's probably like got some money and is stuck up. Like <laughs> sometimes, or maybe just knows what they want. Like exactly really what they want.
0: Oh, and like I'm I'm into people knowing what they want. That's why like I find it so fascinating when somebody's like, okay, I need a gin martini uh, with just like a whisper of vermouth. I want three olives and a twist. I want, you know, and it's like did 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 the just run down the gambit, and then you're like, shit, I better make this right for them because you know, God forbid, I put more than a whisper of remove, like they're gonna be able to tell. Um, Yeah, it's always pretty funny to me.
1: Does saying "make it strong" work?
0: I mean. Maybe in the States, but in Canada, we have like such harsh laws on like measurements of spirits, so like if you order a double, it's going to be two ounces or like fifty mils or sixty mils, so like it's it's we're very precise um but like when you order a cocktail and you're like, "Oh, can I get a margarita, but like make it strong again, like I can't put any more alcohol in than. What I'm specified to like put in. (laughs) Um, And also, like in Canada, alcohol is like super expensive. So, like when you're doing your inventory at the end of the night or what have you, and you're like out a bunch of, you know, ounces of spirit, you're like, I am out a lot of money. Um, But no, I mean, especially I like it when people ask for like easy ice or like less ice because they think they're going to get more drink. Mm. You're not. I mean, trying
1: to game the system.
0: Yeah. I mean, and also, like for me, cocktails are all about balance. So, if I start like, I don't know, putting way too much of something in it, then it becomes off balance and it's just not, doesn't taste right. It doesn't taste the way it's supposed to taste. But like if you want something strong, order a cocktail and then order like a shot on the side, I guess, and then do it yourself or take your shot and then drink your, your cocktail. But
1: I don't know. Oh, weirdest conversation you've ever overheard.
0: Ooh, I used to work in like the financial district. So I used to get some like really interesting uh, conversations between like people who are like in investments and like all that kind of stuff, and you're like, well, I don't know if this this sounds kind of shady to me, but um, I don't know. Like the weirdest, I've heard some pretty random conversations in my life. Um, I've had some like good ones where people, you know, are talking about like, you know, like what happened to them, like they met a girl or you know whatever the night before, and they're like talking to their buddy about it, and then their buddy's like. That's my ex-girlfriend, or like you know, they start like going at it, and you're like, Ugh, this is this is drama over here. Like I don't know about this, or like so you can t- totally tell when somebody's like elaborating their story to their pal when you watch the whole encounter happen. Like maybe 20 minutes before, like oh I just met this girl at the bar, she was totally into me, or blah blah blah, and then you're like. No, she wasn't, buddy. Like she tried to, she she ran away from, you know, so if you don't, if you don't think the bartender is listening, trust me, we're always listening. (laughs) It's our job.
1: (laughs) Best way to, they use the word hit on. If you're into somebody, like how do you, how do you approach?
0: Like at a bar or to the bartender?
1: To the bartender. Like if you're into the bartender, what's the best way to kind of like,
0: hey. I mean, I would say don't. (laughs) But um, it's I would say, okay, if you want to be a maybe like a good customer and leave like a good impression, um, go that route. Um, I would say it's always really nice and maybe not everybody can afford to do it, but it's always nice to say like, hey, can you add a round of beers or whatever to my tab for like for the bar staff at the end of your shift? Um, you know, sometimes I'll do that if I go into a restaurant and like I really enjoyed the meal, I'll be like, Hey, can you throw like a couple of beers on my bill for like the kitchen staff, like just as a thank you? Um, I always think that's like super kind and it grabs, you know, grabs your bartender's attention and be like, Hey, thanks. That's that was very, very kind of you, or that's very sweet of you. It might open up the conversation a little bit.
1: Is there an overall like funnest drink to make? Like, we I love making this one. It's my favorite.
0: Um, yeah, I mean I like anything that's like fun and tropical and like there's like a bunch of tiki cocktails that you can kind of set on fire. Then I'm like, hell yeah, I want to set something on fire and I want to like, you know, throw some cinnamon on it and the cinnamon makes it spark and kind of go all over the place and it's a bit of a show. So I mean, yeah, anything that involves fire, I am down for the cause. (laughs) Or if it's blue, I love a blue drink. I'm like, hey, it's got an umbrella on it. It's blue and it's got fire. All three, I'm sold.
1: Do you put water in whiskey? Are you supposed to?
0: Um, I mean, again, it's a personal preference. When I'm sipping whiskey, I'll I'll sip it as it is first, as like the straight spirit. But sometimes, just like a tiny little drop of water, will just help open up all of the flavors even more.
1: Where do you? Th- what do you think is the future? The future Ooh. of bartending, this future of the industry, that kind of like, where do you think it's going?
0: It's it's honestly, it's it's been really cool to kind of see in these last couple of years um, that it's not so much about getting like messed up. (laughs) I think people are actually drinking for like the experience and like the enjoyment of like the true authentic, like flavors and craftsmanship of a cocktail Um, that it's not so much about like, what can I drink to get me fucked up? Like, I just want to slam something. I want to be wasted. I mean, I'm sure there's still that out there, but I think the craft is being a little bit more appreciated these days and people are really, you know, uh, respecting that. But I also think like, Non alcoholic cocktails have been very big, and I, I don't like I've kind of seen it ever since. I mean, in Canada, like weed is legal here, so I f- I find that some of my friends, especially, have kind of like diverted, and they're like, I want to go the cannabis route more so, have a cocktail at night. So there's also kind of that like ebb and flow too, um, but yeah, I think non alcoholic cocktails have been really big, even like CBD and like THC um, uh, beverages um, have become like super popular as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think people are eager to get back out there and socialize, which is really awesome as well. The last two years, people were like stuck at home. So people are really appreciating going out, sitting down, enjoying a well-crafted cocktail and maybe something to eat and enjoying time with friends. And I mean, I love, I love to see it. I think it's fantastic. Do you you think that that, that
1: is there any indications, right? And I mean, ultimately, I think it's like a political and elected official thing. But mm-hmm. is there any indications that you think that, okay, we might be having the mix of like in bars where we're mixing marijuana and alcohol at the same places?
0: Yeah. Is the, I indus- mean, is the
1: industry preparing for that?
0: I would say yes. There's a ton of – I even have friends that have come up with spirits. Um, spirits. You, you'll never see alcohol and cannabis mixed in the same cocktail. Um, I don't think, not for a long time anyways, uh, just like the adverse effects of the two of them are kind of completely opposite of one another. Um, but there is a ton of like, uh, like non-alcoholic mixers now that are either cannabis infused or, you know, CBD infused, and people are using those in like non-alcoholic cocktails. So I think once that kind of, you know, becomes a little bit more regulatory, um, you'll definitely see that hop into the bar scene for sure. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a interesting budding market again, no pun intended.
1: (laughs) That's two of them. That's two of them.
0: It's (laughs) only 10 AM and I'm only already two puns deep. (laughs) Um, that's pretty much all the questions that we got.
1: Is there anything else that you think that we missed or what's kind of coming up next for you?
0: Oh, I mean, I like, I've been super busy doing lots of really fun like, consulting projects and like even doing like some really great, uh, doing some really fun content online, whether it's through like TikTok, which I never thought I would be on in my entire life. Uh, being my age, I was like, I'm too old for this app. But there, I have found like a really cool audience um, that uh, have been really enjoying the content of just learning about cocktails and learning about the history and just like the art of of making beverages and it's been really fun doing that Um, i'm in the process of opening a new bar in vancouver so it's a a lot of work (laughs) so hopefully by the end of july um we'll be open so just hitting the ground running with that trying to get inspired
1: do you have the name
0: yet Yeah, it's called the Herrick and it's at it'll be at the like historic uh, Hotel Georgia down in like the basement. Um, And it's yeah, it's going to be a really awesome kind of like cocktail lounge and cocktail club. And yeah, it's going to be pretty wild.
1: I want to thank Caitlin so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram. And we have also included her information in the episode description. Her social posts about how to make all of these different recipes are awesome if you're looking for something new or just want to learn how to make what you make better. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. On a scale of one to 10, like how good do you think you are at? Basic life skills, like being able to do things, and I mean, like one is I don't know how to do anything. Ten is I know how to change a tire, make a daiquiri, satisfy my wife. Like you, you can do
2: a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm not completely useless, but I'm also not, you know, I'm not a nine or a ten. Um, uh, I don't know if I ever have ever pleased a woman, so I'm not going to include that. But uh, you know, I, I I will confidently give myself at least a 5 maybe a 6 but for sure a
1: 5 that's lower than i thought she would give yourself honestly i was going to call bs if you went higher than like an 8
2: oh no, no i mean i mean there are some men and women out there who can you know a tire you know uh, they can change the oil they can fix a tire they can put up some drywall and cook a perfect steak all within 2 hours. Yeah, I I might be able to I might be able to do all that, but it's going to take me most of the day. I'm generally pretty good. Like I could give myself hear me out
1: on this. I could give myself an 8 <laughs> or a 9, but I just have glaring holes where I have no no knowledge of how <laughs> to do things, right? And that brings me down to probably a 6 or maybe a 7 because I have no knowledge of fixing things around the house or no knowledge of cooking, (laughs) which probably honestly puts me down to, I would have to say then (laughs) I could be down to a five or six too then.
2: I mean, maybe I'm I'm higher than a six. Maybe I am an eight. (laughs) I I mean, I, I can do basic. I mean, I can do most basic things. However, if you were asking me this question, even when we first started this podcast four years ago or whatever it was, uh, I would have told you, maybe a maybe a confident four then. Oh, you feel like you- I've learned a lot. Yeah, you kind of have to as you go through life. I feel like having children uh, really kind of pushes you to the next level of like, so you have to learn how to do some shit. And I also, this is a funny you bring this up or ask this question. I feel there's a lot of people who don't even know. If you were to ask somebody under the age of 25, like, hey, can you go, you know- unclog the toilet i'm not sure they could do it
1: are we i feel like now is the time we're gonna have to get this over with because you've been building up to this for years now Mm -hmm. and i think it's now finally time for you to rant against the kids of today which you have been wanting to do for four years so how do you feel about the kids of today just just go ahead and get it out so we can move on with it because you've been hinting at wanting to rant about the kids of today for a long time
2: I'm not going to go on a rant. I mean, it's I'm, not, I'm in no position to, to go though, on don't. a rant. Just admit that you want to go on a rant about the kids of today. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I wouldn't mind it, uh, but I'm not going to because that's not what this podcast is for. Um, I will say it was a little awkward, though. Uh, well, maybe Sunday morning. I don't know. We went to Starbucks, and the person who was at Starbucks was the most joyous, happiest person you could ever imagine. I mean, she was... Hey, how are you? Always had a smile on her face. Here's your stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's that's a little weird. So then we go to Target and everybody had to, like, look, I had accidentally driven the cart into some, into an employee and he apologized to me for being. Annoyed. How did you do? Like,
1: did you hit him in the back of the legs, like the ankles, like where the Achilles heel is? Because that fucking
2: hurts. And he was just coming, you know, we were both coming down the aisle and he had, you know, he's pulling like a large, uh, you know, like a large, um, something uh something holding a bunch of boxes whatever you want to call it i forget exactly what it is it's like a cart and uh you know how i have anxiety in a parking lot well i had i had anxiety in an aisle and i'm like do i go left do i go right do i just do i just stop and let him go by so i kept going like on the right side and uh you know he he didn't you know his load was a little bit bigger and he like ran into my cart and oh, uh, now apologizes. you're blaming
1: him when initially you said that you ran into
2: him. <laughs> I knew it, I knew you were gonna do that. Um, I mean, well, be, because I was like creeping did
1: you hit him? Whose fault
2: was it? Well, I guess well I mean, pro, I mean, I probably should have stopped and like moved the cart all the way over. I was already pretty over in the aisle. But, did you have you know, a standoff with a
1: twenty-year-old kid? Like, I'm not moving. I'm the no. customer. He works here. This is my <laughs> store. He needs to be catered to me. Is that what you did?
2: No, that's the problem. Is or not the problem was that that was the weird thing about that morning. Was he? Everyone was generous. I mean, everywhere we went to two or three other stores, and everybody, la, everyone was just so damn happy. And it was it was refreshing. Yeah. It was well, nice.
1: Maybe you are the one who actually made the change. For people who are new to this podcast, John is a Karen. Oh my Karen. god. Here we and go. And he has had multiple instances, multiple instances at stores. He routinely gets yelled at or has bad influences at drive throughs and places that he goes, and he has a problem Don't dealing with that. people in a work capacity.
2: That's not first off, that's not entirely true. I am not a Karen. I kind of already said To those of you who might be listening to this podcast for the first time, I have parking lot anxiety. I have driving anxiety, and I've been in situations maybe to where I don't react normally, but it doesn't make it my fault.
1: Well, it does. But it doesn't. You're – okay – who's controlling the reaction? Are they reacting or are you reacting? So if you're the one who's reacting to it, then it is entirely your fault. And I think that's the problem is that you refuse to accept responsibility for these things.
2: You know, I, I can't think back on all the driving stories I've told on this podcast, Too many. but I feel I like want, I want yeah, you I feel to like- accept
1: responsibility for the things that you do right? That's, that's the, I, I the ju- that's the first step in the healing. they oh, my That's the first step in the healing journey. Boy. And Here this is, go. this is exactly what we're talking about, right? When we started this conversation, you said that you accidentally ran into the target guy. You admitted you had a mm-hmm. brief moment of clarity that it was your fault. And then as you started to tell the story, you couldn't handle it. And you tried to blame them. <laughs> this is the first say, step. Like you took I, a step forward and now you're taking two steps back.
2: Uh the the point of the story was talking about the younger generations and how great. I think we don't need to Sunday worry about the younger generations
1: was. anymore. I think it's time yeah, to work but, on ourselves. Fu-
2: fuck, Well, oh, I agree with that. I agree. <laughs> this is this, this podcast isn't. This isn't learning about John Schultz. All right. Okay? Well, no then let me ask you this: Do you think
1: me? that jo- do you think that dogs are jealous of us, or do you think that we should be <laughs> jealous of dogs?
2: What kind of question is that? Um. No, I don't think we should be jealous of dogs. Uh, I actually don't think humans should be jealous of any animal. We have it quite great compared to what most animals have it, I feel. Um, Dogs are up
1: there, though, dude. I mean, they've got it pretty fucking good. Cats probably have it better because they don't have the kind of you know, affection or activity requirements that a dog has.
2: Cats have it pretty good. The only thing I would say about a dog is... I mean... If if they're a good domestic dog, then yes, they have it made. But there's a lot of animals out there who, you know, they're they're homeless or they don't get fed. You know, I mean, so no, I I, w- I would not say that dogs have it made or or have it, you know, have life good or better than humans. Well, a way
1: to be depressing about it, dude.
2: <laughs> Listen, every time that damn commercial comes on with I Sarah McLaughlin in the background, yeah.
1: But do you pay attention so to terrible. that commercial? I mean, it terrible. takes the heart out of it. But like, I can't – it's too well done in the sense, like, it makes me feel so much that I can't watch it anymore or pay attention to it. It's like, damn
2: you. I mean, it's 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 one of those commercials that I've watched once, and as soon as it comes on, I turn it. Right. I know what it's going right. to be. Right, you turn it it's, off you, immediately. You
1: know, I yeah. don't actually even yeah. know so- – it's so sad. I don't even, I just know it's Sarah McLachlan is the song on it, but I don't actually even know what its organization it's for because it's too traumatizing and you turn it off.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite brutal. I mean, like you said, it's so well done. Maybe it's one of those things. If there is such a thing that it was, it's so mesmerizing and so well done that it almost maybe turns people off because people like us have already seen it and we won't take the time to watch it again because it's so traumatizing. All right. you ready? All right, uh, let's give some shout-outs. <laughs> Got him. Uh Let's see. Brad Allen, appreciate you. What? What's so? Nothing. Yeah, I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just rolling on. Would you rather? Here,
1: who do you think would have more of a shock if we switched places, if we switched minds for like a day or a week? Who do you think would be more shocked, you or me? like to live in the other person's head for a week yeah
2: yeah you you probably you would i I guarantee because i feel like you're pretty you are what you say you are i feel in terms of you i mean you're pretty transparent uh about just who you are i i I feel like if you would get into my head you'd be like holy shit this guy is effed up yeah i would agree with that yeah i would probably be a little bit more shocked than you would Yeah, I I think so. Other than like me looking at how small my hands are, you know, or like how little my penis has become, uh, you know, going into your head. It's Do you fine. have small hands? Um, no, I was talking about like switching brains with oh, you, and like you, you know, were thinking making, about how oh, small you my were hands fun were to me. Yeah, I was. Got him. Got
1: him. Did you get him? If the person didn't get the joke. Nailed oh, it. hey! Did I tell you about this email I got?
2: Uh, Here we go. Here's Nick's rebuttal because I got him so bad. No, you didn't tell me about this email. I got got. an
1: email from a coffin salesman.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. You know what I told him? Okay, here's the joke. What?
1: Try again later. That's the last thing I'll need.
2: Oh, boy. All right. Come Uh, on. Let's see. It was. was, Oh, fuck yourself then. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Brad Allen, uh, thank you. Ethan Smith, uh, Michael Tonkovich. What is his name? Anthony. Michael? Michael. Michael, Okay, I I thought it was something
1: different. I thought it was Monkel.
2: Well, you know what? I'm struggling with allergies, so thank you for for making fun of everybody that has allergies. Uh, Anthony Meyer, Aiden Young, Jake Sieber, Adam Hendry, Nick Moose, Jonathan Carell, and Melanie Schumacher, that's a fantastic last name, by the way, uh, are, are are you a messy desk or clean desk? Uh, depends on the person? day of the week. I start out with a very clean desk,
1: generally Monday, all the way up until probably Thursday. And then by Friday, it's a fucking mess. And then I'm going to clean it up on Friday, though, because I clean the house on Friday. Okay. That's my cleaning day.
2: So you you do indeed, are, when you clean it, are you like a full on clean or just You know, stack papers together and put them in a drawer. OCDs you
1: can possibly imagine, though. But I have always kept my desks very clean. I don't bring any kind of family photos or anything from home. I don't bring anything, that a book. Like, I'm not bringing a thesaurus or anything that's going to help me with work. Like, there is nothing on my desk other than what work has provided me. Okay. And I'm not bringing anything other than that. So I'm not messy, but I'm not also bringing, like, the airspray can to clean off the keyboard kind of neat. Right? (laughs) Like, I'm not doing that. Right, right. I'm probably not Um, even wiping it down at work, to be honest with you. If
2: it's mine, like. uh, What's the best late night snack food? Uh, Pretzels, fast food, some kind of dessert, you know, some kind of sweet treat, uh, or fruit. (laughs) <laughs> Those are my four. No, but fruit is reason.
1: fruit is not. Although, if I've had some edibles and I've got some watermelon in my fridge, oh mm. man, is fruit good? Fruit is yep. really good on edibles late night, like especially if it's a juicy one, <laughs> like like uh, watermelon, or even if you can get some blueberries. Like, oh, just like oh, it's cold and like oh yeah. Other than that, no. And I'm probably I would probably go with dessert is what I'm gonna go. I gotta have a little something sweet before I go to bed. I have a sweet tooth, John. Pretty big mm-hmm. sweet tooth.
2: I, I I I've noticed, actually, because you know, you you love chocolate, I love chocolate. Cookies, cookies and great.
1: things. Uh
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do fast food, but that's you know, we can get into that. In well,
1: that's probably um... gonna go
2: ahead and explain a lot of your health issues. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I don't. I don't have. The current current events are so fucking depressing. But I want to get your thoughts on on these three. These three things. Uh, So it's three. The three biggest movies that are coming out in the next two months. I want to know which ones you think are going to be the worst. Which ones you might actually give a shit about. Uh, So, so it's obviously Top Gun two. Don't care.
1: Hate Tom Cruise, refuse to watch anything that Tom Cruise is involved in. Not that I hate Tom Cruise. It's just that I can't ever forget the fact that he's kind of crazy. And I don't care like, if he does his own stunts. Like, he's not actually doing anything dangerous. Right, like, oh, he's doing his own stunts. Yeah, because they're going to make that completely safe for him. Right? Like, did you well, not see that he ran down the sides of this building? Right, he's attached by a steel wire. It's completely fine.
2: Right, I mean,
1: I'm not impressed by listen. it. It doesn't impress me that he's doing his own stunts. Did you see, Tom Cruise, he jumped over a
2: curb. Great. He runs weird. <laughs> I'm sick of seeing him run. Removing, removing all politics and and religion out of it. I mean, he he's been the main character of several of my favorite movies. So so I, I can't wait to see it. I'm excited. Okay. Well. uh, next one is. This is the one that I'm outwardly spoken uh, about and how fucking trashy it will be. And it's that new Buzz Lightyear
1: movie. There's a Buzz Lightyear movie?
2: Yeah, it's called, I think it's just called Lightyear. And I think it comes out uh next couple of weeks. I'm an adult. I'm not going to see it, that. But it, it's not, uh, it's not, um, oh God, why, is, why am I blanking on who played him in Toy Story? Tim Allen. Um, yeah, it's not Tim Allen that plays him. And it's like a standalone franchise. I don't even know. The, the trailers haven't shown any. I don't know why we're even talking Any other twist honestly. Story. I'm a, I'm a grown man. All right, man. we'll move on then. So garbage? garbage yeah. Garbage, all right. Uh, yeah, how much in the, your the, day the did you spend one...
1: thinking about this Buzz Lightyear movie? Like, I feel like you shouldn't be this upset about it. Like, I'm not over here getting pissed off about Minions movie. Like, I
2: can't wait. The Minions movie. Well, it's not that I'm like, just think. I Can't wait I have to an see issue that. With, I have an issue with. With. Big money trying to capitalize on what they think people want to see or what they know will make them money. Like, this movie is going to be trash. Maybe kids will like it. it's going to make them, well, your bo- your boys, I'm sure, will love it. My girls will be like, where's, you know, where's the female characters? But it doesn't matter. Uh, the third uh, movie is Jurassic Park, the new one that's coming out in a, in a month or so. I've never liked Jurassic Park. It's probably because my wife is a
1: huge fan of Jurassic Park, and any time that even though I love her, when she really really likes something, I just can't when anybody is really into something, I just can't yeah, you like just, I, it's it's all right. Like I can't match that level I can't fake that level of excitement over anything.
2: Anyways, let's move on before this just goes okay. down the show. Okay. All right, are you ready? Yeah, let's all do right, it. So our
1: top 5 is top 5 water activities. It's your number 5.
2: Uh so I've gone with things I've actually done. So uh, this should be quite interesting. Uh, my number five is going to be scuba diving.
1: Okay. My only issue with that would be, do you have snorkeling above or below scuba diving?
2: Uh, I actually don't have snorkeling on the list. So at all. you
1: would, you feel like scuba diving is overall better than snorkeling?
2: Yes. But you also have to remember, I have a terrible snorkeling adventure story uh, in which I don't think I'll ever go snorkeling again, uh, just because obviously you're closer to the surface. A lot of times you just have a snorkel on, you're not protecting yourself, and that's how you get taken into a current of jellyfish and stung the shit out of. Uh, and why I've chosen to do scuba diving because scuba diving you're in the full apparatus, and it's just it's just kind of cooler. I don't know. You go deeper, you could you know you feel more isolated. I just like it. I like it personally more than scuba diving.
1: Or uh, I don't want to keep. Sorry bashing on this too much but i think that we just got back to a little bit of psychoanalysis in that sense and that's how the way that you viewed this story right like you were doing something and then the ocean just swept you up and it's the ocean's fault it's not the ocean's fault ocean was doing what the ocean does like you should have been paying more attention like you didn't get and then i just get swept up by this current no like you swam into the current dude you should have been paying attention to where you were
2: right I was in the safe zone and the current took me beyond the buoy and right into a school right. of jellyfish. It's always right.
1: somebody else's fault. It's the ocean's fault. Not my fault.
2: I'm not listen, I'm not gonna hate on the ocean. You can't hate I, on I the, ocean. Respect the, ocean. <laughs> the ocean. I don't even I don't really even like going in the ocean, to be honest. This terrifies the I don't I'm
1: pretty scared of the ocean as well, to be honest with you. I don't really want to go into the ocean that much.
2: I, mean, I No, I don't I'm fine with being on land. I'm I'm perfectly happy with it.
1: I don't like
2: to not be able
1: to see the ground. Like, I'm okay going into beaches and lakes, but once I don't know what's down there, ooh, I don't like that that much. I don't enjoy that yeah, feeling man. of, like, I don't know what's below me.
2: No, yeah, F that. Like, I will say, I in saying that, probably one of my favorite things to do is being a cruise ship, but you're on a ship. Right. Big-ass ship in the middle of the ocean. I've got no problem like I'm a I'm a river man. No, I'm not even a river
1: man. I'm a stream or a brook or a crick man. I like to know what's below me. And once oh, I get into gosh. a situation where I don't know what's below me anymore, I don't really like that. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, man. I don't I don't do it. Tubing is my number 5. I don't like to go tubing, but I like to watch people tube because they basically always end up getting hurt. And that's what I like to watch.
2: Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen my own asshole uh, uh, before until I went tubing. And I got twisted up like a pretzel one time. And I just remember flipping over the water, like looking at my own ass. Uh, It was quite intense. Nobody likes tubing.
1: People like to watch other people go tubing. But nobody's like, "Ooh, I had fun." It's just like it's like a courtesy that you have to watch. You have to do it so other people could watch how miserable they were at the same time.
2: Uh, man, I got. <laughs> I've been tubing probably five times in my life. One time I went with a group of friends, and we were on a four-person tube, and we played. We were playing the stupid game. You know, whoever whoever survives wins. And we had just started going. We hit the first wave, and we all kind of go airborne. The guy to my right, you know, I I kind of lost a little balance. Like, I was exposed, like my front was exposed. He he nut checks me. (laughs) I fall off, like, on my back, and just, man, that was another time that hurt like a bitch. That was real bad.
1: No one enjoys going tubing. Everyone likes watching (laughs) people go tubing.
2: Yeah, that was, (laughs) oh, man. It was fun, though, but it's concussions probably um all right my number four i have surfing and now i've i've gone surfing but not successfully but i like to think that if i was good at surfing it would be a lot of fun
1: would you feel lame though if you were out like on the surfing place and on a boogie board
2: oh yeah well i mean yeah sure i mean i i would feel i felt lame enough on my surfboard because I remember the, like the most babiest wave came over and I'm like, I got this. And a fucking, it fucking busted me off. Got all these other guys out there and women who are, you know, 300 feet away from me. Like ripping in it the up. bay. Yeah. Just ripping it up. And here I am like on my baby board, like, you know, just trying to stay on it.
1: I've never been surfing. I've never had a huge desire to do it, but we, that's, that's something more towards the, towards the bottom of my list. Um, my number four is a jet ski. Jet ski's pretty fun. It's basically the motorcycle of the ocean, is what I would consider a jet ski to be. It's good time.
2: That, but that's all my uh, my honorable mention. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan. Um, it's it's a, it's a little too loosey goosey for me. Uh, it's, I you know I don't. I've I've never actually have driven one. I've been the passenger a couple of times, and I've always felt like, well, I have no control over the situation. Yeah, if that's crash, certainly not that. I'm fun. fucked.
1: Yeah, jet ski. I feel like is a four. I could go honorable mention. I don't have a problem with that.
2: My number three is uh, just swimming. You mean just like, like yeah, swimming just, around? Just, yeah, just just swimming, just swimming in general. Just it can be lounging, you know, in, in a in a pool, or it can be swimming in a lake or whatever. But just swimming in general.
1: I don't really have any desire to just be swimming. Like I would have to be doing something like either swimming for exercise or swimming to get somewhere. But I would never just like, I'm just going to go swim around. <laughs> it's too much work. It's too hard.
2: It is. It is very hard. Well, I, I, it's, I just was having this conversation the other day. It's one of those sports or activities where you look at it like the Olympics, right? And you're like, man, swimming looks easy as hell. And no. then you realize that it is not easy. It's it's like tennis, right? You see tennis players, and you are like, tennis seems kind of easy. And then you realize that it is not easy at all.
1: I never would look at swimming or tennis and think that was easy. I mean, they're hitting the ball yeah, like I, 120 miles an hour, man. Like, why would you ever be like, oh, that's easy? I can do that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it doesn't look it, it's it's like like football, like football. You think, wow, you have to be oh, the strongest, fastest. Yeah. You don't realize how tennis, athletic those
1: people are. I get with yeah, that. Have okay. no idea. That makes some yeah. sense to me. My number three is snorkeling. I'm a fan of snorkeling. It's just better, right? Like it's not all the commitment of scuba diving. You can pretty much see the same stuff. I don't really want to be that deep underwater. I'm not going through any caves. That to me seems like the the scariest thing on earth is like scuba diving in caves. I have no idea why somebody would want to do that. That to me is no way in hell would I ever do that.
2: Now, when you hike and rock climb, is it the same feeling about caves that are not underwater?
1: No, because I'm not possibly going to drown, right? Like you're going to, you have a limited amount of time. Die. But it's not, the time isn't as pressing, right? Like also, you don't really, you know, I'm not hiking around in caves. I generally don't go into any sort of caves. I'm not a caveman. I don't like it.
2: You are not I've a caveman. I've seen cave too man. many
1: TV shows about people getting lost in caves, and I would never do that. Mm. Oh,
2: what was that movie with uh, James Franco came out a while ago? I read the book, 23 Hours or whatever. I don't think you did. If you,
1: to... I don't think that you did read the book. If
2: you... 24 <laughs> Hours, 25 Hours?
1: 27 Hours.
2: Yeah, that's what it's called. I've not... read a lot of books. I don't remember all of them. Read it a long time ago.
1: Okay. Yeah, cut I off mean, his his
2: own. Uh, name was Aaron, right? I think his name. I was have Aaron. no idea. Off- I've
1: never seen it. I don't know. You no, read the book. No. You tell me.
2: I it was a long time ago. It obviously wasn't that memorable. I mean, not to take anything away from a guy who cut off his own wrist or hand, but I don't really generally you know. like stories like that. Like,
1: oh, he's a hero. He, look what he did. He cut his own arm off. Wow, amazing. What a story of survival and inspiration. What the fuck else were you gonna do? Like, anybody would cut their own arm off. Like, here's your choice die or cut your arm off. Who's gonna just die? Mm. Everybody would have I, done I, that. I, I don't understand mm, that I, logic whatsoever. And I always get annoyed at those kind of movies. Like, do you know what he did? He went out he went without food for three days. Yeah. What else were you going to do?
2: I I get what you're saying. A hundred percent, but I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. Oh boy. All right.
1: Well, oh, I cut my own arm off. Well, what was the other? What was that? The other choice die. Well, then, yeah, you cut your own arm off and anybody would have done it.
2: All right. Well, my number two, uh, moving on from your mini rant there is uh, like now a now water park penis. Ec- that's different.
1: Like if your penis got stuck, you cut your own penis off. Now men are thinking, right? Like, yeah, you think about it a little bit longer. Uh, If I was waiting, if I waited 127 hours, that's my question is why did he wait that long? I'd wait like five (laughs) hours and just like, nobody's coming. Cut this off. No, if you, okay, if you waited 127 hours before you cut your arm off, how Would you wait less amount of time or a longer amount of time before you cut your penis off if your penis was stuck? Longer? Yeah, I'd probably wait like 200 hours. And like, I wouldn't have know. to
2: worry about it getting stuck. Hey-o. Um, uh all right, my number two is uh, like water park activity, like uh, water mm-hmm. slides, uh, the wave pool. I just kind of Interesting. You know, put it all into one. I can't believe that more people haven't died
1: in wave pools. You would think that like ten people would die in a wave pool a year.
2: You would actually. I would. I was when you said ten. I was like, I don't know if that's enough, but tens of tens of fair. If a
1: hundred people died a year in wave pools, would you? What number would surprise you?
2: I mean, uh, 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 well, probably probably five hundred. But if if I were to like read statistics and then said you know whatever one hundred and twenty five, I'd be like, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. If I was like the park inspector i wouldn't even like blink an park eye
1: inspector. if like, like how many people died in your wave pool last year 10 well that's about right
2: <laughs>
1: like i wouldn't even
2: be surprised but, but though i mean they do have at most i believe they have lifeguards like six of them around the way but so still it's, it's pretty it's pretty hard to drown in a wave
1: pool i, I wouldn't really start asking questions about that park until we hit 20 plus deaths I wouldn't be surprised. I'm like, well, even if I was reporting to my supervisor, like how many people died at this wave pool? They had 18, but he's getting up there and we got to watch him. But it's within acceptable numbers of people who died in a wave pool.
2: The, you know, the, uh, the United States gives us so many before we really have to start. Right, before, we really the before we really yeah. do something.
1: Before we really do something. My number two is stand-up paddle boarding. If you've ever done it, it's basically you kind of feel like Jesus out there. Like it's peaceful. It's like you're just walking on water. It's pretty cool. I enjoy it a lot. I would imagine it's probably what people surfing feel without a little as much of an adrenaline rush, I think.
2: It just seems like is it a lot of work? It seems no, like a lot of work.
1: Not really. No. It's it's one of those things you can make it a lot of work, but I'm just out there floating around.
2: <laughs> you're just like, guys, go ahead. I'll catch you, Basically, like an active raft.
1: Like I'm just okay. gonna, I'm just gonna stand here on this water. Occasionally, I'll sit down.
2: Can go fishing. Well, if you want. my my number one is a very little uh, activity, and uh, it's just fishing.
1: Oh, I didn't even think about that. I would put fishing. I kind of feel like that's cheating, right? Because if you're fishing.
2: It's a water activity, though. It's, it's, I Uh, mean, it's not, it's not, it's not cheating.
1: I just don't feel, I get what you're saying. I don't personally feel like, I consider that to be more of an outdoor activity.
2: But fishing, for those of you, just joining the podcast for the first time. This is where Nick realizes he should have put it on his list. I just, and now he's trying to come no, up with No, I'm giving you,
1: I'll give you your props. To. Like, that's a good one. I just never would have ever thought of fishing in this regard, personally.
2: you're not, you, I, have you ever fished?
1: Talk to me about fishing, son. What kind of fishing? We talking deep ocean fishing? <laughs> oh, we talking lake fishing? We talking fly fishing? What are we talking? Huh? Gotta wait, I bet, what kind I of actually, weights are
2: real? I've actually never been fly fishing.
1: Fly fishing is probably it's the most active kind of fishing. I think that you have to be is... you have to be a decent fisherman to be fly fishing, right? <laughs> talk to me about the waters of about... don't, don't talk to me about the waters of Mount, Montana. I've never been to Montana,
2: but I, <laughs> I, like, I wow, saw awesome. I saw a river runs through it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, no, man, fishing, my number one.
1: I just I agree with you. Like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, I would have to say that that would probably be the best number one, but I just don't feel like it quite counts.
2: I thought you were going to say me not having swimming as number one. I, I felt like you were going to be uh, uh, unanimous swimming as number one. Oh, no, water slide. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, fuck yeah, right. Dude, you need water slide. Yeah. Have you ever been on a water slide where you look at it and you're like, I could die on this? No, like, that's I, the great it, thing it about water the, slides. Oh, I've... There was one at a at a water park uh, near where I used to live that just went straight down. Like, I'm pretty sure your back came off of it. Are you talking That's about?
1: How... Are you talking about the Wet and Wild in
2: Orlando? <laughs> no, I never went to the Wet and Wild in Orlando. Don't. If you, yeah,
1: right. Unless yeah, you want to drown in a wave pool and then possibly get shot outside of the Wet and Wild in Orlando, I would I would advise against going there. Wait, where did you go? Yeah. That was like.
2: I want to. I want to say the the name was the uh, the Four Bears Water Park in Waterford, Michigan, and it had, like I said, a a water slide that just it literally went straight down, and, uh, you know, I, it was so quick I barely remember it, but I I did do it because I I don't fuck around. yeah, you can't back out of a ride. You got to go on. Plus, I'm you know I've always like we said I'm a I'm a bigger person, so I'm always like. I mean, I'm not going to feel it as much as a little skinny person, so I'll be fine. I don't think that's how physics works. Nope, definitely not. Not at all. Ah, definitely not. I actually, I, I probably felt it more. Yeah,
1: yeah, I would think that your back, ah. because of the size of your back, would get like stuck on the little the panels a little bit more, right? Because you know how it goes from like one panel to the other, and you can kind of feel yeah. like ah, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, I don't, I I don't do water slides I, anymore though. I I've developed a an a dumb fear of them. Like, and when I say dumb, it's because nothing's ever happened to me or anybody that I know of. But just watching some some videos and stories of like, you know, people going over the edge of a water slide or sliding off. I'm like, well, fuck that.
1: Yeah, I would say the water slide does seem like it could be the most dangerous amusement park yeah. style ride thing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I don't I mean, like, but a water slide is fun it's fucking fine. Water slides are great, man.
2: Water slides are a lot of fun. That's that's fine as number as as a number one. Do you that's have anything fine. in
1: your honorable mention?
2: Uh so yes, rowing. Rowing <laughs> can be fun, but it's it's a lot of work. Rowing's great. Nobody you go up,
1: likes enjoys rowing.
2: It's like you go up a river. You know what I really lake. like? It's that's nice. like saying I it's really nice. like the elliptical machine.
1: I really enjoy <laughs> going out there just exercising pointlessly.
2: It, it was, it was fine. It's, uh, I, I just have boating, like just being on a boat, just going in the water, you know, just, just leisurely cruising on a boat. Uh, and that's, that's kind of it. Um, I also put pond hockey, but that's not really a water sport, even though you're on water. See, so it's that's, kind of that's water why sport. I
1: disagree with your fishing a little bit. Cause it would be like me saying skiing. Well, it's water kind well, no, of,
2: be, no. Because fishing directly, like, like pond hockey, right? I know, I understand what you're saying, but to me, pond hockey, the ice is frozen, obviously. So, with with fishing, unless you go ice fishing, but that's not what I was saying, uh, fishing is in the water. Like you're actively engaged with the water itself. It's a water activity.
1: Skiing, you're actively engaged with the water, the, sn- the snow. Which yeah, you water. could put
2: water skiing. Water skiing would have been fine. I
1: feel like neither one of us put water. I don't really care about water skiing like kneeboarding I don't care about water skiing
2: yeah i I feel like knee boarding and paragliding or whatever it's called parasailing these are all stupid things that people invented because they couldn't water ski or they couldn't sail so they m- invented some some offshoot sport
1: okay I do like kite surfing looks kind of fun or wind wind or whatever the fucking thing is, yeah, where they're no. on like, no. that looks kind of fun. I could see myself. No, getting why
2: would there. I want to be hundred or two hundred feet up in the air on a kite? No,
1: that's not what kite surfing is, dude.
2: Isn't that isn't that where you sit and then the you know no, it's like the kite or whatever above you and? Oh, maybe then I guess I don't know what kite sailing is. Kite
1: sailing is kite surfing. Is basically you have like a surfboard it's on a, a kite. Lesser. You just fucking fly around
2: there. Looks kind of fun. Looks like a good time. Oh, you know what? Never mind. I'm looking at it now, and I'm still going to say no.
1: Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review. Let us know what you think about the show. I I don't know why. I just don't feel like fishing counts. There's no good reason for it. I just, like, it's, it's... feel like it's cheating but let us know what you think